This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everyone. The first hour of Real Presence Live for a Thursday is in the can, and we are beginning our second hour. Father James Gross joining you, along with uh, my uh, wingman here, Father Jason Leffer, priest from the Diocese of Fargo. We're coming to you from the Grand Cities, where, surprisingly, despite all of the excess moisture that we've had this spring and uh, how wet things have been, there were dust storms uh, making their way across the valley. Yesterday, I was driving it on the way down, it was blowing again. On the one side of the road, it's flooding. On the other side, you got to Right. When you have standing water in one part of a field and... (laughs) You're just like, Lord, what's going on? We can't win, right? (laughs) Well, and so here's the thing, too. Like, for a lot of the farmers, they've been... And difficult because it hasn't been warm enough. We haven't had enough heat. Well, now suddenly they're. We'll take us, care of that this weekend. Yeah, yeah. Hundred and hundred and ten <laughs> degrees is coming, and we got a cooker coming. This it looks brutal. So isn't that something? Yeah. So I'm sure a, a number of your parishioners were delayed longer than they would have liked in order to be well, able to get in. And I just toured the whole state of North Dakota, and the crops are behind everywhere. There's there's barren land everywhere that is not planted. It's too wet out. Out west, it was too wet. So I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of crops that just don't get in the ground this year. So we're yeah, unfortunately, and I think a lot of people were counting sort of a, a, a for, forgive me for the phrase, kind of like a drop-dead date for when they can get various things planted. And you're really counting on some pretty mild uh, conditions into September in order to bring them to maturity. You know? Yeah, so we, we really need to hold our farmers in the egg economy and prayer, like yeah. in, the, in the whole economy right now. People are hurting. So The good news is, for cattlemen, there is grass in the pastures, there is hay to be put up. So that wasn't the case for a lot of places last summer. So our next conversation has to do with this beautiful feast that's coming up this weekend, which lands, um, at least in the Church in the United States, two weeks after Pentecost uh, every year, the Solemnity of the Most Holy Body and Blood of Christ, oftentimes referred to as Corpus Christi Sunday. And we have a brother priest with us from our diocese, Father Jeff Epler. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. Howdy. Good to be back. It's great to hear from you, Father. Um, so could you just remind us uh, where you are currently serving? I am up in Grafton at St. John the Evangelist Parish here. Yep. Awesome. Awesome place to be. Very good. Yes. You've got uh, about how many uh, about how many hundred households there in your community? Uh, I think you know, I've got about 550 on the book, but um, you know, there's a lot that aren't on the book that should be. You know exactly <laughs> right right yep yep as we you know and uh you know that that really was a, a hub community um for for many years for a lot of the smaller surrounding towns in walsh county you know it was a lot uh closer to get there than to come to grand forks or fargo and you know so there is really um a retail focus to that area so um just to remind us you um uh, ha- have only relatively recently um, been ministering in our diocese. Uh, can you just uh, tell us how you first came to North Dakota and a little bit about that journey? Okay, well, only recently have I actually become part of the diocese, but I've been in the diocese for quite a while. So I was first, I belonged to a, a religious order for 20 years, Society of Our Lady, the Most Holy Trinity, Bolt for short, and they sent me up to uh, Belcourt, on the reservation there, 
And then I went back there again as a brother. And then I went back there again as a priest in 2005. And then I went down to Dunseith. And so I was in Dunseith uh, for five years. And then Belize, they sent me to Belize, Central America. And then a year and a half later, sent me back up to Belcourt as pastor of St. Anne's there. And I was uh, Belcourt there for about six years. And then within the year after that, I ended up joining the Diocese of Fargo. So um, I've been in the Diocese of Fargo for three years now, officially. But I've been in the Diocese for quite a while. Fantastic. Well, it's great to have you with us here. Now, I guess before we just start talking about um, kind of the big picture of Corpus Christi, one of the things that I was reminded of, um, at least locally, is that um, there was some press about uh, some decisions that you made when the uh, pandemic first began and prior to when uh, public masses could be reinstated in the diocese and uh, bringing the Eucharist physically uh, to people around your community. So can you remind us of what uh, you decided to do up there in Grafton? Um, what we did was every Sunday when we had a, the shutdown, basically, of the masses publicly, Every Sunday, me and my police chief, Tony Duma, we would drive around in his Ford pickup truck, and I'd carry the Blessed Sacrament uh, in the Monstrance, and we would hit every single street in Grafton and in Oakwood, because Oakland's our mission parish. Mm-hmm. And it would take up about three and a half hours. Uh, every Sunday, we'd do this. And so we'd have parishioners, they know we're coming, and they would come out, and many of them actually kneel on, on the, the grass, kneel on the front step, and on the sidewalks as, as the rule was passing by. So they came out to, to welcome the Lord and uh, asking Jesus to bless every single person in Grafton. So that's why we went to every single street. And since we, we were going to do that, and we did that, and so we'd have public mass again. And so when we had public mass, we switched to just only doing it the first Sunday of the month, so we still do it. Now, the first Easter of that whole lockdown, what we did was uh, we had a vehicle Eucharistic procession that Sunday Easter Sunday morning, since none of the churches in town, Protestant or, or us, were having public services. Um, after I offered the Mass, the Easter morning Mass, we got in the truck, and we had a mile and a half of cars here in Grafton uh, following the Blessed Sacrament. And so myself and my deacon, we, we sat in the back in the bed, and he incensed while I held up Jesus the whole time, and we drove around um, for about 20 minutes all throughout Grafton, uh, with a mile and a half of cars. And we had Lutherans joining us in. We had all kinds of people joining us in, um, celebrating mm-hmm. celebrating Easter morning uh, with the resurrected Lord and the Eucharist. So, yeah. Well, Father Epler, that I mean, gosh, you're describing that. I'm being very inspired, but also getting in touch with... that. That's quite a sacrificial thing um, that you've undertaken. I mean, it takes a lot of time and commitment uh, to do that, and that, that is extremely commendable. And I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, well... A priest doesn't just do this. I mean, this has to be coming from a, a, a place of of love, of devotion, of relationship to the Eucharist. Can you can you let us in a little bit on what what, what is your relationship with Jesus and the Eucharist like? Well, the Eucharist is Jesus, so He's the only Savior of the world, and uh, the joy of having Him physically present. You know, that was really the catalyst of bringing me into the Catholic Church. I mean, I grew up uh, Methodist. And the Eucharist was pivotal, actually, in bringing me into the faith, and actually uh, pivotal in my vocation as a priest, actually. So I, I spend time every week in Eucharistic Adoration. Um, you know, the Mass is 
is, uh, you know, would be great joys of my day. I have to say Mass and Confessions are probably my two greatest joys, actually. But Mass is uh, knowing that the Lord is specifically present here for me and for all His people, that He's there because He loves, and He remains because He loves. I mean, that's the, that's the core of of my uh, Catholic and just personal identity is, is that, is, is Him. I just want to, kind of, as a postscript, uh, Father, I just want to talk about how edifying is that on the part of uh, law enforcement, they didn't, you know, say, okay, there's a bright line between, you know, separation between church and state, and we're, you know, we're not going to cooperate, you know, with you in doing this, but uh, there's really grace at work in, in uh, being able to, uh, to work with you and to assist you, so that's wonderful to hear. Well, also, also the police chief that I ride around with is my parishioner. Certainly. The the other thing, (laughs) we don't don't use a a, a cop car either. We use his truck, but we uh, we have decals we put on his truck. You know, uh, Jesus on board, God bless you. All these things on the on his truck. Everybody knows what truck this is (laughs) once we go by. Sure. Now, another thing I happen to know about you, Father, is you, you tend to have some artistic gifts and talents and that you express through a sculpture and different things, but there is a particular expression that you've done to bring uh, devotion to the Blessed Sacrament Eucharist, maybe to children or teenagers or even adults through uh, something called comics. What I mean, what, what's that all about? Well, when I was in seminary, uh, one of my teachers, the one who was actually teaching us some sacraments, particularly the Eucharist, gave us options of how to do a report. And so I'm like, hmm. So I decided to actually do a comic book, because my background is art and illustration. I went to college for all that. So I decided to actually create a Eucharistic adoration comic book. And so I went through a bunch of the different documents of the Church. I pulled out, like, direct quotes that Jesus would actually be saying in this, in this uh, about himself in the Eucharist and what he does uh, through Eucharistic adoration and all that's present in the comic book and then illustrating it and, and basically it, creating a comic book. And so I did that in seminary and uh, as my project. And then um, Lord providentially had it printed. Uh, I was in the Philippines at the time in seminary. Had about, I don't know, 30,000 of them printed there. One of the bishops there, a retired bishop, loved it, and so he ended up getting it printed. Uh, it was disseminated there, and then it's uh, been disseminated in various parts here in the state. Um, and I, I, whenever I go to a parish to talk on the Eucharist, I'll bring a bunch of those and hand them out. But um, I found it, it it's, it's beneficial. I mean, it's all teaching the church that it's one of the uh, one of the perks is that you can depict yourself as as a superhero a character <laughs> in the in the story, right? <laughs> well, now, I, ironically, I drew a picture for a friend of mine, a good Catholic buddy. And I depicted him as a knight, you know, fighting for the faith, and I was the jester. <laughs> <laughs> well, how, just out of curiosity, how has the response been from the teenagers and stuff, and that, using that medium for, has it led to, uh, you know, better understanding or devotion to the Eucharist on their part? Um, I'm not really sure, because I usually kind of leave it with them, and I don't sit around uh, watching them as they're reading it. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, now the irony of it is, it's as beneficial for adults as it is for kids because actually, literally, I'm taking almost word for word from actually the church documents and just putting it in the first person uh, language when Jesus is speaking in it. And sure. so, even adults can get get a, an insight into what's happening in their hour with him. Um, yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. 
Well, we'll continue this conversation on the other side of this break. Coming up here, we are visiting with a priest of the Diocese of Fargo, Father Jeff Epler, as we're talking about this wonderful solemnity of Corpus Christi coming up this weekend. Uh, Please stay with us. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, the Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio with today's Plan Giving Minute. Philanthropy is an expression of your generosity with the understanding that your gift to the church will make a difference. There are many ways in which you can make a gift to further God's work. Most of us are familiar with cash gifts we give regularly to Real Presence Radio. However, another way of contributing is through Plan Giving, which may allow you to give more than you've ever dreamed possible. The goal of plan giving is to help you plan your estate and charitable giving in a way that benefits you, your family, and our mission. There are several ways you can make these plan gifts and enjoy tax and income benefits. For more information, please visit our plan giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. S.J. Machine, proudly named after and dedicated to St. Joseph, provides machining and induction heat treating to a variety of industries. Just as St. Joseph worked diligently to meet his family's needs, S.J. Machine strives to understand and meet our customers' production needs. Prototype to production, working together towards success. S.J. Machine can be reached at 701-347-0155 and are a proud supporter of the Real Presence Radio Network. The Mustard Seed Catholic Store is South Dakota's place to purchase Catholic books, gifts, and decor. With locations in Rapid City and Sioux Falls, we are here to provide you with gifts for the Catholic occasions in your life. From baptism to First Communion, confirmation to weddings, and ordinations, we pride ourselves in having local artists share their creative talents, making rosaries, crucifixes, artwork, coffee, and books. We are located in Rapid City on Main Street in the new Diocesan Building or in Sioux Falls on Grange Avenue across from Costco. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back, everyone, to Real Presence Live. Father James Gross, Father Jason Leffer, priests in the diocese joining you, Diocese of Fargo joining you today. And we are accompanied in this segment by Father Jeff Epler, who is the pastor of St. John the Evangelist pa- uh, Parish in uh, Grafton. And uh, Sacred Heart, I believe, is the name of the parish in Oakwood, correct? Correct. Okay. Yes, um, so just a, a few miles north of where we are coming to, uh, uh, coming from uh, right now. So, uh, looking at the forecast um, for this coming weekend, initially we had a plan here among pastors in Grand Forks of doing a lengthy procession uh, along a route that includes all three of the main uh, parishes in town, which would be over two miles. 
And um, so we've kind of customized that where we're going to be doing a holy hour at one parish with a brief procession around their property so that we can include a procession, but so that we don't have um, medical emergencies developing because of the triple digit heat and perhaps, you know, uh, inviting more people to participate. But there are lots of different ways that various parishes are going to mark uh, the Corpus Christi Solemnity. So, Father, could you just uh, tell us a little bit about what you guys have uh, cooking up there this week? Well, ours is going to be pretty simple. After our uh, main morning mass at 9.30, we're going to process with the Eucharist uh, throughout the neighborhood. And it'll be mm, probably about a 20-minute procession, and we're going to pray the Divine Mercy Chaplet the whole time while we carry Jesus around. And, of course, we're going to let the neighborhood know that uh, Jesus is real and he's alive and he is present in the Eucharist. And that's always... One of the routes takes us by the hospital in town, so I'll, of course, be asking the Lord, uh, as we do that, to, to bless all those who are present in the hospital, working, and who are sick there. Um, and then we'll conclude with benediction there in the church. Yeah, you know, and we should probably put this in the in the larger context as well to, you know, all of our listeners. Hopefully, hopefully everybody has heard about this by now, but uh, this Sunday marks the official beginning of a three-year Eucharistic revival that the U.S. bishops have all come together and, and agreed that it is, is necessary and needs to take place. And um, we're very blessed and fortunate to have, it's actually a Bishop Andrew Cousins from the Crookston Diocese right across the river here, who has been appointed by the bishops to, to head or, or to... The over, chair of that committee. Over yeah. this committee. And... Um, and yeah, and he has exceptional fervor for it, and it's beautiful. And I'd encourage all of our listeners, you, you can you know, go to your, your search engine on your computer smartphone and just put Eucharistic Revival in there. It'll, it'll take you, the bishops have set up a, a website, and there's some just ex- exceptionally good resources on there. And one of those is, um, there's, there's a series of very short, like two to three, four minute uh, video clips that uh, Bishop Cousins has done, and they're so good, and they're so stimulating, and it's basically Bishop Cousins sitting there and, and speaking with you, and uh, witnessing telling stories and teaching, and it, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. I'd recommend it to, to anybody. Yep, um, EucharisticRevival.org is the website to go to for those resources. Very good, yeah. And then uh, I know those in the, in the, in the tri-parish area where I'm from, the Pisic area, ours will be after the, the 1030 liturgy, and it'll... We'll, we'll be doing a going around the outside of the church and having the four altars and the four benedictions and final benediction with what everybody's so excited about, the delicious potluck that's going to take place afterwards. Fantastic. Yep. You have to entice people <laughs> with that. So um, uh, what uh, encouragement would you give, Father Epler, to uh, listeners who may be aware of some sort of Eucharistic procession, maybe not at their parish or town, but nearby taking place on Sunday, why would you um, uh, encourage them to take part in this? Well, one, you participate in glorifying Jesus Christ here on earth. You know, we pray that uh, God's will will be done on earth as it does now, is glorified in heaven. And when we bring him uh, through the towns and stuff with Eucharistic procession, where we make him public, it is a public witness of who he is, what we believe, and the glory that is deserving of him. Also, there is powerful grace that flows from his heart in the Eucharist. I mean, the Sacred Heart is the Eucharist, the Eucharist is the Sacred Heart of Jesus. I mean, the one of the things is, is the Lord. Um, I find that there's there's actually fruit, and a lot of fruits we don't see, but some fruits we do see. I had a fruit one time, a major fruit in my own family, with a Eucharistic procession once. Um, I'm a convert to the faith, so my family, they're not Catholic. And one of the times when my dad was visiting me when I was in Dunseed, 
Uh, it was during our parish celebration. That was in September for St. Michael. And we would do a Eucharistic procession with our parish celebration. And he actually attended that Mass. So he was like, well, I want to I hear you preach. I'm like, okay. And I said, well, we have a Eucharistic procession after that. He's like, I'm not sure I'm going to join in that. Well, he did. And he, as a matter of fact, he walked right in front of me where I'm carrying the Eucharist. <laughs> okay. And I remember the whole time looking at Jesus and looking at him, because I could see my dad right beyond the monster, saying, Lord, I ask that you convert him. And I ask that, and I've been asking this for years, that you make sure that I can give him sacraments before he dies. And you know what? I was able to actually give him, and he was open to receiving the sacrament and anointing the sick before he died. And I know that was one of the direct fruits of that that uh, Eucharist procession, that he walked right in front of Christ, and uh, that he, you know, he didn't really believe in the Eucharist there, but uh, that didn't stop Jesus. <laughs> okay. that, that is a powerful witness and testimony. It makes you think of, uh, you know, we were talking about saints earlier, like, their open canonization process for Michelle Dupont in the Bismarck Diocese, but the first American saint, Saint Elizabeth Ann Seton, she she was a convert, and her conversion came about because she experienced a Eucharistic procession, and that and and Jesus, the Eucharistic Lord, pierced her heart, and that was what got her. Yeah. On the road. They went to Italy, she and her husband and family, as he was convalescing because of his ill health. And so that exposed her to a lot of Catholic customs that she wouldn't have had the same, you know, in the United States. And, yeah. it, and it was the beginning of a journey to not only her own personal conversion, but a starting religious order, Catholic schools for, uh, for underprivileged children. I mean, it goes on and on. Because, why? She experienced the Eucharistic procession, the Corpus Christi. Yes. So as you're looking forward to um, uh, Corpus Christi, what kinds of themes are you planning to um, uh, go over? You know, just maybe a preview of the, the Sunday homily up uh, up there in your parishes, Father. Well, that's an uh, interesting question because... In pro- have, work in progress? <laughs> I have no clue. I, uh, my form of preparing for a homily is I pray the rosary in the morning and then that's it. So... Um, Every Mass gets a different homily. I have no idea what the Holy Spirit's going to say until I literally open my mouth at the pulpit. And that's kind of how it has been ever since the Lord told me to stop preparing that, that He'll speak. I'm like, okay, fine. And He never failed me in that. So I really don't know. I I imagine it's going to be something about the Eucharist. (laughs) (laughs) That narrows it right down. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, but more than likely, I'm sure that the Sacred Heart will come into play with that, and the Real Presence, and really the, the manifestation of divine love. So the Eucharist is the tangible, physical continuation of the manifestation of divine love in the Incarnation. And, well, uh, could, could you share with us, just personally, a reflection uh, in a couple of minutes we have left here? Like, how, how different was your life as a Methodist before being a Catholic, now having the sacramental real presence understanding, how, how, how different of an expression of life is there as a Christian from one to the other? Well, um, as, a, as a Methodist, I didn't have much of a prayer life. Now, there's a lot of Methodists that have a very good prayer life, but I didn't. Uh, I would read the scriptures, um, but my life wasn't transformed in Christ. And, and I know some some Protestants are, okay, praise the Lord. But what what happened with me was when I was exposed to the Eucharist, um, the Lord really manifested His real presence to me. And as such, it convicted me that, wow, the Lord who I've been reading about growing up is actually physically here. 
It's like, I can point to him. He's like right there. And to know that he is tangibly, physically present on earth changed my entire understanding of Christianity. But it's not just him spiritually present everywhere or him at the right hand of the Father, which he is, but he has deigned to remain on the earth in his incarnation to perpetuate his divine presence and to fulfill what he said, I'm with you always to the end of the world. I'm like, okay, I know that I know you are spiritually, but he's like, you don't get it. <laughs> I'm like physically here as your spouse. I am physically here. I have not abandoned my bride. But when I came to understand that, I was drawn. I was drawn to him, and I couldn't help it. To, to physically be with another is radically different experience than to talk to somebody on the phone or long distance or just have happy thoughts for someone. It's a whole different type of relationship. And, you know, uh, I mean, I can, I can go to communion and receive Jesus and the Blessed Sacrament. That's I can't think of any more intimate form of union with him. So, well, why would I want to waste some time to go to Eucharistic adoration if I, if I could just receive him? Why, why go to adoration? Well, adoration suspends in time the effect and grace of the Mass. So we know that sacrifice takes place at the Mass, and it has already taken place when the, pres- when the Eucharist is present. But the, the continuous presence and the grace that flows from that act of salvation continues on in Eucharist adoration, because the Lord who is crucified and risen is still present there. And so even though we know physically he remains with us, uh, you know, in maybe 15 minutes or so in the body until the body breaks down, the sacred host, uh, but, but he's still physically present in the Eucharist in adoration. And we are not angels. We're humans. we got a body. So he remains in a way that appeals to our human nature, where we can look upon him. We want to look upon him. When you look in all the prophets of old and the patriarchs, their deepest desire in the Psalms is to look upon the face of God. We all wanted to look upon him. And the Lord's like, mm, sorry, you have to be dead to do that. <laughs> okay. Until he becomes man. And then we can actually fulfill on earth our heart's desire to look upon the face of God. We don't see him as he is, but it is a prelude to what we will see him as he is. After all, church teaches the Eucharist is the poetry of heaven itself, where we will gaze upon God in wonder for eternity. We get to, we get to do that here on earth by looking upon him in the Eucharist. You know, I want to You know, there's that popular evangelical praise and worship song, Open the Eyes of My Heart, Lord. I want to see you. I want to see you. So we bring that, you know, into a a whole new sort of concrete reality, you might say. Father Epler, thank you very much for uh, spending time with us this morning, and uh, blessings to you and your parish communities. Why, thank you. And blessing to you and your parishes and all your listeners. May you always remain deeply in the sacred and Eucharistic heart of Jesus. Amen. Yes, we definitely second that motion. Thank you again, Father Epler. We appreciate it. Well, one more segment coming up here, or at least uh, one more interview. What does the day in the life of a diocesan chancellor look like? We'll find out next when Tim Olson from the Diocese of Fargo joins us. That's coming up after the break here on Real Presence Live. Bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. 